Good morning. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you have a Bible, would you turn there? Turn with me in that Bible to Romans chapter 3. We're going to take a look at the last several verses of Romans 3 and the first few verses of Romans 4 this morning as we continue our sermon series called The Difference. If you're going to use one of our Bibles underneath the chair in front of you, it's on page 1196, 1196. Hear now God's holy and true word from Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who, for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. By the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, this uh, passage has truth that is absolutely amazing. And life-changing. And we praise your holy name this morning. As we ponder these things. As we receive and rejoice in your acceptance of us. Because of what Christ has done. So we pray now. Father would you fill us with your spirit. And give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Of the glory and majesty of Jesus that we see in this passage. And use this time to transform us into the likeness of your son. And to equip us to run with this amazing news to our neighbors and to the nations. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray and for his sake. Amen. 
So for the next few weeks, we're in a sermon series that we've called The Difference. And we are looking at some of the really foundational truths, doctrines that are found in the Bible, things that are absolutely critical that we understand as followers of Christ, things that change our lives. And so that's that's the plan. And we're going to be looking at one of those doctrines this morning. And it's so important that we understand these things so that we believe what the Bible actually says and apply what the Bible actually says to our lives. It's also important because we want to be able to communicate these amazing truths to the people outside. And the reality is some of the things that we're going to talk about, especially today, what we're talking about today, are very misunderstood by people outside the church. And so it would also be a shame if these things were misunderstood in the church. And I do believe that the majority of us understand what we're going to talk about today. But it is always good to revisit these absolutely foundational and fundamental Things And we're talking about this morning one of the most important doctrines or truths in all of Christianity, and that would be what we call the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And it is absolutely amazing. It is such a phenomenal truth that we get to look at this morning. It's one of the things that makes Christianity unique. Because of all the different religions and worldviews that are out there, there is nothing anywhere remotely close to this amazing truth. In fact, a lot of times you hear people say uh, all religions are basically the same. They kind of teach to you know, be a good person. And the reality is this doctrine is the one that sets Christianity apart. It's by itself. Okay, and it makes it absolutely not only unique, but absolutely amazing and rightly understood. It makes a huge difference in our lives. You see, think think about the, you know, what is the question that religions are usually seeking to answer? And I think a common question is this. What makes a person acceptable? What makes a person valuable or good or acceptable, especially in the eyes of God? What makes a person acceptable to God? Or what makes a person able to go to heaven when they die? These are the, type, the types of questions that religions are usually seeking to answer. And uh, the Bible provides this answer that is absolutely amazing. Because what it tells us, what we see in this passage and all through the scriptures, is that we have God's full acceptance. We are totally acceptable to God as a free gift. That he would give to us for free his complete acceptance and it's received through faith. And so this is what we're going to be talking about this morning. That we receive the full acceptance of God through faith in Christ. The full acceptance of God through faith in Christ and through faith in Christ alone. Not according to any of the things that we do or ever could do. We receive the acceptance, the full acceptance of God through faith in Christ. And so here's how we're going to do this this morning. If you're making an outline, we're going to uh, break down this doctrine of justification by faith alone into some simple parts, okay? Because uh, ultimately, if we're going to talk about this and understand how we have God's acceptance through Christ, we need to talk about something that's removed and something that's added, and then everything changes. So that's our trajectory for this morning. Something removed, something added, and everything 
changes. Okay, let's start with something being removed. What is removed? Would you look at me at chapter, look with me at chapter 3, verse 22, the second part of verse 22, uh, all the way through 25. And here's what we want to see. On the cross, Jesus paid for our sin and removed our guilt so we can be forgiven. So that's the key to forgiveness is the removal of that sin and guilt. This is what's removed. Let's take a look. For there is no distinction, Paul writes. Verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So right there in verse 23, we see the major issue, the major problem. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this means when Paul is saying all, he means all except for Jesus Christ, of course, who never sinned. But the rest of us, every human being, we have sinned. We are sinners. We are all guilty of breaking God's laws. And this is why it's important that we, don't under, that we understand that we're not good people. It's not like we're good people and the non-Christians are the bad people. That is not the way the Bible teaches. Every one of us is bad. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us deserves God's just wrath, his punishment for that sin. In fact, in Romans 6, 23, Paul says that the wages of sin, what you get when you sin, what you earn for yourself, is death, eternal death, hell. And so the reality that we all have done these things, we've all sinned, we all deserve God's wrath, is something the Bible teaches. It's one of the offensive teachings of Scripture because nobody likes to feel guilty. We hate feeling guilty. You never said to your friend, you know what I really need right now? I just need to feel guilty. Bring it on. You never say that. We never say that. We hate the idea of feeling guilty. And the reason is because guilt is this recognition that we deserve punishment, that we deserve to suffer for the things that we've done. That's what guilt is, and that's why we hate it. But the reality is guilt is this feeling that we have, and it's, it's much more like a warning indication light on your dashboard, right? When the light comes on on your dashboard and there's a little engine there, the goal is not to get the light to turn off, Right? The goal is to figure out what's wrong with the engine. And guilt is like the dashboard light that tells us there's this major problem. And the major problem is that because we have this guilt, we do deserve God's punishment for our sins. And we hate that. I hate that. You hate that. We hate feeling guilty. So we usually try to deal with it. Sometimes we try to deal with it by pretending that we're not guilty. Okay, this is very common. We just kind of pretend like I haven't really done anything that bad. We pretend like we're not guilty or we shrink the list of right and wrong to a a very small, manageable set of rules. That's what our culture is doing. It's, It's shrinking the list of right and wrong. Why? Because our culture hates the idea that we are guilty and that we deserve punishment. So we pretend that we're not guilty. The other thing sometimes we do, and this happens a lot in church, uh, we can try to make up for it. We know we're guilty and we think, well, I'll just try to do everything right now, and I'll make up for it. I'll make it up to God. I'll go to church, and I'll pray, and I'll sing, and I'll give my money, and I'll do all these things, and I'll make it up. That's another thing that we try to do. But ultimately, neither of these things does anything with our guilt. It still remains upon us, and we continue to feel it, which is why we're still in need of something better. And the reality is what we see in this passage is how 
the guilt is dealt with. How our guilt can actually literally be removed from us. By being paid for. Would you look at verse 25? One of the sweetest words in the scriptures. Paul writes, God put Jesus forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Propitiation. Oh, what a sweet word. Propitiation. What it means, it means something that satisfies wrath. Something ultimately that satisfies divine wrath. This is the key to our forgiveness and our freedom from guilt. The satisfaction of God's wrath. And see, we don't like the idea that God has wrath either, but he does. God has wrath for the sins of mankind. Think about this. You you know that there's justice. We, we feel that deep down. The reason we know that is because if somebody were to come into your house, or let's say me, if somebody was to come into my home and do something terrible to my family, you better believe I'm not going to sit there and say, well, that's okay. No, I'm going to do something. And if God doesn't hold me back, I'm going to do something real bad, right? And you would too. Because justice must be served. We feel that sense of justice. And the reason that we feel justice must be served when wrong is done is because we're made in the image of God and God is just. And so inside of us, we know that justice must be served. And so here's the other piece of that is that God is all-knowing. And so his sense of justice is way better than yours or mine. And God, who is all-knowing, says that any sin and all sin justly deserves wrath. Punishment. Hell. And so therefore, that's what we're faced with. This reality that we deserve God's wrath. God's wrath must be poured out. It must be satisfied in some way. Justice must be served. And so the reality then we're left with is either we are going to satisfy God's wrath by paying for our sin ourselves, a debt we cannot and do not want to pay. Or... Somebody else pays that debt for us. And that's what we're seeing here. That's what Jesus is. God put him forward as a propitiation to satisfy his wrath. That Jesus would be the one to pay this debt of sin that you and I cannot and do not want to pay. That on the cross, Jesus was doing just that. Paying for our sin. Paying the debt. Receiving the wrath. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin became our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so Jesus takes our sinful record, all the things that we've done, past, present, and future, and he willingly takes them upon himself. And then God pours out his wrath for those sins onto Jesus, who never sinned, but became our sin bearer. And all this wrath that God had built up for his people is poured out onto Jesus on the cross. And in the end, Jesus said what had happened when he said, it is finished. He had paid the debt. He had paid our debt in full. Which means that God doesn't want us to try to pretend we're not guilty. God doesn't want us to try to make up for our sin. He wants to receive, he wants us to receive by faith what Christ has done. And to know that if we do that, the debt is paid. We want to make this so complicated. It's not. When a debt is paid, it would be unjust for somebody to try to continue to 
collect that debt from you, right? Let's say, let's say you and I go to the gas station. I pull up at one pump. You pull up at another. I'm in a really giving mood for some reason that day. And so I kind of come over and I stick my card in your pump and I say, have a tank on me. And you fill up your car and then you call your wife and you're like, hey, get down here. Matt's paying for gas. And so, uh, you fill up a couple cars or whatever. And, and then imagine this. Imagine now you got your gas. You're ready to leave. You get in the car. You start it. You're about to pull out. Imagine if the gas station attendant ran out and slammed his hands down on your hood and said, now hold on a second. You didn't pay for that gas. You would say, yeah, but my friend did. And he would have to let you drive away, right? And the reality is God will never hold us accountable for our sin. He will never punish us for our sin. Because the debt is paid. And so that guilt that we feel that we carry around, which is actually just our fear of that judgment, can lift because the judgment is gone. There is, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here, here's another, um, another story that I think helps understand this reality that, that Christ paid for our sin and removed our guilt. And it's gone. The debt has been paid. So here, here if, I've said this before. Um, it's the story of this farmer who was on the plains during uh, the Dust Bowl era when everything was really dry and everything was really uh, in bad shape and forest fires were sort of raging through and, and burning up entire farms and making it even worse. And there's this story of this, this man, this farmer, who was out in his field and he saw that there was flames on the horizon and smoke and so he knew that he had just minutes to act and then this fire was going to come through and burn up his, his whole farm and kill his family. So he runs into his house and he gets some matches and he runs back out into his field where he was just standing and he leans down and he lights a fire which begins to burn his own field. And then he runs back into his house. He gets his wife and his children and they go back out into the field and now there's a pretty large area of scorched earth from his own fire. They go into the middle of that. They lie down, put the blankets over them and that fire comes through. Oosh takes up their whole farm, their whole field, their whole house, their fence. Everything goes up in smoke. But they were fine. They were totally unharmed. Once something has been burned, it can't be burned again. So when that raging fire came to the area of scorched earth that he had lit, it just went right around. And the gospel is that Christ is our scorched earth. He has already been burned by the wrath of God and by faith we are in Him. So when God's wrath comes for the sin of mankind on Judgment Day, we won't even feel the heat. He has paid the debt. He has satisfied God's wrath. We are in a place, we are in Him, where there is no wrath for Him, for us. It's gone. The debt is paid. And that is what changes our lives. That's what makes such an amazing difference. We don't have to be weighed down with our guilt and our shame because we can receive this freedom from that sin and guilt through faith in Christ. When we believe that he did what he did for us, we know that the debt is paid and therefore there's nothing hanging over our head except a God who loves us. That's amazing news. But you know what? Here's what's interesting, and here's where the understanding begins to break down, considering this doctrine, okay? Uh, we talked about uh, something being removed, but we also need to be talking about something uh, added, because the reality is we need more than forgiveness. 
To be accepted by God, we need more than forgiveness. One pastor puts it this way. He says, forgiveness says you may go, but only righteousness says you may come. If we want to be accepted by God, we not only, to be, not only need to be forgiven of the sins that we've committed, but also we need to have righteousness. Positive righteousness. Acts of obedience. And think of it this way. Look, take a scale of 10 down to 0 down to negative 10. Okay? Forgiveness brings us to 0. But we still need righteousness in our account. For God to accept us. And that's what's so amazing. Is the perfect righteousness of Christ. Is given to us as a free gift. All of the righteous things. That Christ did in his life. All of this righteousness. That he built up during his life. All of his perfect obedience. Is handed to you and me. For our record. For free. Received through faith. Take a look at Romans 4 verse 1. 4 verse 1. Paul says. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And there it is. Paul is saying right there, if Abraham was justified, that means declared to be righteous. Okay, declared righteous, accepted, fully accepted. If Abraham was accepted by God by works, meaning by the things that he did, then he would have something to boast about. He would have reason to feel pretty good about himself, right? He would be able to say, here's why God accepts me. Because I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do that. That's what he could say, right? He could boast about those things. And the reality is, so many of us get caught up in that. We forget that our righteousness is all from Christ, that we are not earning it, and so we too can can find ourselves boasting about the things that we do Trying to make ourselves look like we're good, like we're earning God's acceptance. And if we believe that God accepts us, or even if we just believe that society accepts us because of the things that we do, we can't help but to boast and be puffed up and look down on people who do not do the same things. That's what happens. But that's not the gospel. Paul says, no, not before God. That's not the way it is before God. Here's how it is with God. Verse 3, for what does the scripture say? Now he's going to quote from the Old Testament. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Let that sink in. Whether for the first time or the millionth, Abraham believed God and it, his faith, was counted to him as righteousness. And the righteousness that's referred to is the righteousness of Christ. All the righteousness that Christ had built up during his life was given to him. It was counted, his faith was counted to him as if it was that perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Absolutely unbelievable. It's not our works, it's not the things that we do or don't do that causes God to accept us. It's what Christ has done in his life. Look at verse 4. Not to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. What he's saying is if you work for something and you get something in return, that thing is not a gift. Right? Like if you were, uh, if it was Friday and your boss came into your office and knocked on your door and said, Hey, um, great job at work this week. Here's a free gift for you. It's your paycheck. 
I mean, what would, in that moment, you'd be sitting there like, uh, I don't think the math adds up here. No, if you work for it, you deserve it. But Paul is helping us see that's not how it works with God. It's not that we work for it and therefore we deserve it. It's that we do not deserve it. But Christ worked for it. Look at verse 5. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness. This is so amazing. Paul is saying to the one who does not work, meaning to the one who does not do things in an effort to earn God's acceptance. But instead of doing that, he believes. He believes that what God has said is true. That faith is counted as righteousness. That is an absolutely life-changing truth. So often we're trying to defend ourselves, defend our righteousness, and we actually don't even have any. And we can be set free by receiving all of the righteousness we could ever want or ask for through faith in Christ. When we believe, when we put our faith in Christ, God counts it as righteousness. It's absolutely amazing. And this is where every other religion, every worldview, every philosophy goes the other direction because everywhere else what you're going to get what you find is the opposite what you find is the idea that god justifies the godly but as one ungodly person to another this is amazing news what paul is saying that we through faith in christ Faith in the one who justifies the ungodly. We receive that righteousness. It is ours. It will never be taken away. Christ has removed our guilt. If we have faith, he has removed that sin. He's removed that guilt. So that weight of that guilt is lifted. And then he's added in its place his own perfect righteousness. And these are the reasons that we are accepted by God. Totally because of what Christ has done. And therefore, nothing can make us be less forgiven. Nothing can make us be less accepted. Nothing can make us be more forgiven or more accepted. It's all because of Christ. We're all perfectly forgiven, perfectly accepted forever because of Christ received through faith. 100% of our forgiveness is because of what Jesus has done. 100% of our righteousness is because what Jesus has done. And we, when we receive these things by faith, when we believe these things are true, everything changes. Everything. Everything changes. When you believe Jesus has removed, literally removed the sin from your record, and then added in its place his own righteousness, everything changes. So let's finally, let's talk about that. We, okay, one thing you sh- we should realize is every single week we're really talking about how this applies, okay? But in specific uh, terms this morning, let me just talk about two things, two ways that this changes, two ways we feel different or there's a difference in our lives when we receive forgiveness, when we receive righteousness freely from God through faith in Christ. Number one, the power of guilt is broken. It's broken. We will still feel guilty from time to time, but then it it will fade away. It goes away. It gets broken because we can look at the empty cross. We can think of the empty tomb and we can celebrate that the debt is paid. There's no reason for me to feel guilty and feel the fear of this debt that I would have to pay because it's gone. It's been paid. Look, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, good news, somebody paid off your mortgage. 
couple things. One, you'd stop making payments, right? And number two, you would never wonder, how am I ever going to pay this thing off? And when Christ has come to us on the cross and said, the debt is paid, it is finished, that is what breaks that power of guilt. No matter what we've done, no matter what we do in the future, we always can look to the cross and remember, the debt is paid, the debt is paid. And as we focus on Christ, keep our eyes fixed on Christ, it lifts. The power of guilt is broken. The other thing is our appetite for acceptance is satisfied. I mean, how much of our lives, how much of the things that we do are really chasing after somebody's acceptance? This person's acceptance. My parents' acceptance. This group's acceptance. And the reason that we just crave approval and crave the acceptance of people is because we're hoping that that will satisfy us because what we really, really desperately want is to know that we are accepted by the only one who's tr- who truly matters when it comes to acceptance. And that's what is so powerful about this doctrine as well. That appetite is satisfied. We finally feel what we are longing for so deeply. We feel the acceptance of God, our Father, who loves us perfectly forever and ever. And you know, the, the reason that it's hard to accept others sometimes is because we struggle to really believe that we are fully accepted by God. That's always a good indicator that we're not resting fully in justification by faith alone when we struggle to accept others. When we do accept God's acceptance through faith in Christ, it changes us. It helps us. It makes us more loving. It makes us more joyful. It makes us more peaceful, more patient, more kind, more gentle. I mean, it makes us more like Jesus, which is God's intent in all of this, that we would become more like his son. And when we believe that acceptance has to be earned, we kind of want to turn around and make people earn it. From us. And there's a lot of this that happens in the church. That there are messages that are preached and and sermons that are given and Sunday school classes uh, in churches in our country and unfortunately around the world as well that are not the gospel. But rather just what we would call moralism. A list of things to do and a list of things not to do. Now I'm not denigrating the law of God at all. Next week, we will see more about how powerful and amazing the law is. But the message of just do what's right, do the law, do this, obey this, is not the gospel. Because what that sends is this idea that you've got to, if if God's going to accept you, you're going to have to shape up. God does not accept people who have not shaped up. That is a message that comes across in Christian churches. It's not the gospel. And it drives people away from their Savior, not to Him. I'll give you an example. Um, this is a story told by a pastor in Dallas, and his name is Matt. And he, when he was a freshman in college, he attended um, a class. And the first day there, he sat next to this woman named Jen. And uh, Jen was older. She's about 27. She had uh, a child out of wedlock. She'd been around a little bit. And, um, but Matt believed the gospel and he believed justification by faith alone. So he knew that 
all of his forgiveness is because of what Jesus has done. And any righteousness that he has is all because of what Jesus has done. And so he was able to accept her. And even though she'd done some things in her life. And so he, they became friends and talked each week. And, and then he says that uh, one of his friends got an opportunity to play. His band got an opportunity to play at this event where this man was going to preach the gospel. And so Matt was thinking, this is awesome. I'll bring Jen. She can hear about how much God loves ungodly people like us. And they go. And the guy, uh, the band plays, and it's probably good. And then this guy gets up there, and and he says he's going to talk about abstinence. And immediately Matt is like, oh boy, here's Jen, has not been abstinent. And uh, this guy starts speaking a little bit. And then he says, uh, he takes out a rose and he says, hey, by the way, look at this rose. Is this not a beautiful rose? Smells it, touches it. He says, this is just amazing. I mean, who would not want this rose, right? Who wants to hold this rose? And then everybody's hands goes up at this youth event. And he says, you, come up here. Take this rose and make sure everybody gets to touch it. It's that amazing. And so he, the kid takes the rose and everybody starts passing around the rose. And it's going all the way around the room. And meanwhile, he's back to his moralistic do's and don'ts on abstinence. And, and then after just throwing a bunch of law at people and telling them to shape up and that that's the only way. They'll ever be acceptable. He says, where's my rose? Bring that rose back up here. And some other kid runs up, gives him the rose. The stem is broken. Most of the petals have fallen off. The ones that are still there are wilted and basically ruined. And this man, he says, see guys, this is what you end up like when you just give yourselves away to everything. And he says, who would want this? Who would want this? And Matt says he didn't say anything. But everything in him wanted to scream. Jesus wants that. Jesus wants that rose. That's the point of the gospel. That we're all giving ourselves away to all sorts of things. We've all broken ourselves. We're all falling apart. That's the gospel. We're all ungodly, yet Jesus wants us. Jesus comes to us. Jesus removes our sin and guilt. Jesus gives us his righteousness in its place. He wants the rose. Jesus wants the rose. That's the gospel. And that's what we need to hear. And that's what we need to say to this world. Because the world doesn't understand. But as we live this and proclaim this, the world comes to know. Isn't that amazing? Now, I usually like to say that when you're really understanding justification by faith alone, there's a question that will eventually get to your mind. And the question is, wait a minute. If 100% of my forgiveness is because of what Christ has done, and if 100% of my righteousness before God is because of what Christ has done, then why would I not just go on sinning? And that's exactly what we're going to talk about next week. In the meantime, 
all of us broken roses can celebrate. We have God's full acceptance forever because of Christ. He wants the rose. Let's pray. Father, we just praise your holy name. And we ask that you would deliver us from our fear of judgment because Christ has paid our debt. We ask that you would deliver us from pride and attempts to earn acceptance because Christ has given us righteousness for free. And Lord, forgive us if we've ever taught moralism instead of the gospel. And empower us to cling tightly to the cross and tightly to Jesus and tightly to this news that you are just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. That you are a God who justifies the ungodly because of the sacrifice and perfect life of your Son, our Lord, it is in his name that we pray. Amen.